Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. Today's guest is Ron Darty. He's the president and CEO of Darty Business Solutions. Uh, they are a management consulting firm with over 2,000 employees uh, in numerous locations across the United States. You even have an office in Poland. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, Ron has a fantastic background. I can't wait for everyone to learn you a little bit, Ron. Um, you have technology, consulting, leadership, um, and you you have so many hobbies. I can't wait to share those with you a little later in the program. Uh, he, he has the most amount of interest and hobbies of anybody I've ever met before. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing those with everyone. Um, Darty Business Solutions is one of the highest scoring companies and the best and brightest companies to work for uh, competition in the nation. Um, they're at an elite level, which means they're one of the highest scoring companies. They've also scored extremely high in um, the regional competitions, also as an elite winner in Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas. Uh, it's with great pleasure that we welcome Ron to the program. Welcome. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, Jennifer. And by the way, thanks for your best and brightest programs. Uh, just they're great. It's a great opportunity for us to validate we're on the right track, especially with our teammates, and then to, to show them so much deserved recognition. So we've enjoyed participating in the best and brightest. Uh, happy to provide. And that's our goal, to validate hard work and to share best practices with others so everyone can benefit from the elite thinking of wonderful companies like yours. So give everyone a 30-second overview of your business. Uh, you can explain it much better than I can. What do you do? Well, you did a great job, but we're a technology and advisory services firm. We help our customers leverage leading technologies to uh, achieve better business results. And uh, we, we do that from uh, newer technologies like advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, the newest techniques in uh, software engineering and product management, the, those, those sorts of things. And I, I will mention, I don't want my teammates in Panama City, Panama to feel left out. So we have an office in Central America, Panama City, Panama, and we're opening one in Costa Rica now in addition to Poland. And uh, that, that's really helped us grow. We have teammates in 30, 30 states and three countries. And um, I feel very, very fortunate, Jennifer, to uh, have started the company 38 years ago now uh, with, wow, with no, out, yeah, no outside investors. And here we are. Uh, I, I love success stories like this and always are, people are always like, well, what did it take? How did, how, how did you become successful? So I love being able to spend time with, with successful executives like yourself. Um, one of the things I really like about you, um, you realize that um, there's not much diversity in your industry, right? And you've gone out of your way um, to committing to building diversity in the IT space. Let's let's talk more about that. Um, why did you tackle that? How are you tackling it? And what can you share with others as far as best practices for this kind of endeavor? Just a few years ago, I, I was talking with a number of CIOs. In fact, I formed a consortium of CIOs from major companies like MasterCard, Edward Jones, uh, Ameren, Cigna, Bayer, others, and uh, was talking about the need for uh, technologists, the need for technologists. And it turned out 
that. It was easy to identify thousands of job openings that could be filled at the at the entry level, the 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 the, the new uh, uh, technologist level. And, and so it just occurred to me, looking around at the world and some of the things that mattered most, that here was an opportunity. If we're going to have to fill thousands of positions, uh, basically by training people to do that work, why not include the diversity uh, component? To, to that, why not map in diversity into diversity into that same equation? And uh, talking with the CIOs of the major corporations that I was dealing with, they immediately bought into that. Immediately bought into that, and, and so we formed a program called Access Point. And Access Point comes from the concept that while talent is equally distributed, access to opportunity is not. And so we formed the program and. Uh, that's, that's been just, oh, three, three and a half years ago. We've had over 200 students through the program. We take high school students, jointly enroll them in college uh, during their senior year in high school. Uh, we, we develop training courses that align very specifically with the jobs in the major corporations that we're working with. And we formed a, um, an agreement. We, we've established an agreement with a number of major corporations that if we can bring them students who've learned this material that we agreed upon, they will give them jobs. So jobs are guaranteed. So our students finish less than a year out of high school. They have 16 hours of college credit. They have a, a guaranteed paid apprenticeship that transitions to a job, making 50 to $60,000 a year. We've had 200 students in the program so far. And that's one of the initiatives that, that we've, we've established to create more diversity, primarily focusing on African-Americans and females in the technology industry. I was just in a, a women in technology fundraiser in Atlanta just last week, and uh, just uh, really, really pleased to support organizations like that to help, to help create more diversity in the technology workforce. Because you know, technology is related to everything these days. Everything has technology in it. And we need a perspective, a point of view from lots of different kinds of people uh, in order to do that well. And so diversity helps every helps all of us. Well, thank you for that hard work. It, it's very valued. And we have found other companies that have successful programs on this also start at the high school level. So it, that would be my recommendation to anyone listening. You've got to start at high school. Um, candidates are out there, interest is out there. You just got to get them young. Got to get them young. That's such um, an important point. That's a really smart point, Jennifer. It's so very much in line with what we learned. Most of these students that we're bringing through the program would not be able to achieve a four-year college degree in the traditional manner. And if we don't catch them when they're in high school, then they're lost to us. It's just almost impossible to get them back. They have to make some hard life choices. But if we can help them get to a point where they have a good, a good, a, a good income, a supportive employer, tuition reimbursement, and already have their first semester of college done. Then they can get as much education as they want. Understood. Uh, and leader of your business, uh, I know you're a community leader, but let's talk about um, your own company. Um, values and culture are are very important. Um, some of the values that are um, broadcasted by your company are integrity, collaboration, innovation, and community. 
uh, as the leader of the company, um, give me a feel for what your role is in those values and driving culture. Well, that's a great question. So let, let me start with the fact that some number of years ago, I declared this company to be my life's work. It's my life's work. And if something's your life's work, then you just need to be proud of it. And making money is fine, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And so there's a concept of success versus significance that I find very important. And that is we, we, we can be successful. We need to be successful. We need to make money. We need to help our clients. We, we, we need to have a successful business. So that's great, but it's not enough. You're significant when you use that success to make a positive difference. And so that's a message that's continually reinforced here. I, I, uh, I, I do my best to lead by example. I'm on a number of boards. We, we contribute to uh, a, a large number of very worthy causes. I led the American Heart Association heart ball campaign for the St. Louis region last year. Uh, we, um, the, we, 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 try to, we try to connect these values together. We're the presenting sponsor for a golf tournament. It's an APGA golf tournament, Advocates Professional Golf Association. And that's the division of the PGA that helps African-Americans enter the world of golf. And so we, we do these fun things like we I presenting sponsor, Darty presents the APGA golf tournament. And then we bring our access point students to, uh, to golf clinics with the young African-American professional golfers who talk to them about a lot more than golf talk to them about life and about how they achieve their success coming from the same background and environment that our access point students come from. And then there's this wonderful thing that happens. That's the, if I can see it, I can be it thing, right? Our students see, here's someone not much older than them. That is a professional golfer, which is kind of a, kind of a, kind of a neat thing, right? And yeah. then they, they start to see they can do anything. Well, there's two cool things with that. The first is we as leaders, we as CEOs, especially as a founder, um, we get to make a difference somewhere. And I don't think CEOs get enough credit for that. And that's my second point is it's almost expected of us to go out there in the community and make it better. And I don't think people realize that it's a given. I, I had a, a friend uh, ask me, I was doing some charity work and she asked me, why do you do that? I said, what do you mean? Why? <laughs> to me, it's a no brainer. And I think to many successful executives such as yourself, it is a no-brainer. It's part of the job responsibility. Um, and that's one of the wonderful things of being a leader. Um, and uh, let me know when you figure out how to measure significance, because that's the next big thing for us as leaders, is we're making all the significance for our people, the culture of our companies, the communities that we touch. Um, measuring it is not as easy. Would you agree with that? That's a great question. That's a great point that you make, Jennifer. I, I, I tend to think in terms of how many people are we helping? Uh, how, how much, you're, you're right, to say you want to make a positive difference. Well, how do you measure positive difference? Yeah. Uh, positive difference. And so uh, a, a lot of our energy is around education and jobs. How, how many individuals did, did we help prepare to get jobs? Did we help actually get jobs? And so we, we try to look at things like that, but it's a, it, it's, it's a really good point. In fact, just, just to reinforce it a little bit more, one of the big things that I see 
and and being out there and on boards working with very worthy causes working with charitable organizations everybody's heart's in it everybody's well intentioned and not everybody is really making that much of an impact and so it's just so easy to get caught up in talking about doing good and not really doing good in a way that's tangible so that's a great point that i'm gonna high five you on that one all right there we go <laughs> it's about action and not talk and so many times yeah. we're talking but we're not doing thank you so much for saying that now as the founder of your organization um and as a successful entrepreneur um you have thousands of employees you you're in dozens of cities um Everyone has monumental moments. Can you explain one or two of your monumental moments uh, on your path to success? Yeah. So one comes to mind, and I don't talk about this often, but it was in the very early days of, of the company, just getting started. Uh, I managed to win a, a deal with, uh, with, with Citibank, City, City Corporation. To, to rewrite their home mortgage loan system. So it was a big deal. And I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't, I didn't have many teammates to, to, to do it with at that point. And uh, my, my wife was, was uh, giving birth to our first child at that time. And I had a little shared office right across the street from the hospital. And so I went over and participated in the, just the, 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 the delivery of, of our, first, our first child, our, our daughter, Allison. And, uh, and then went back across the street to the office and I had a big deliverable due to Citibank. It was a make or break it. This was our first big customer. This was, this was one of those monumental moments. I, 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 I had my suit, my tie, you know, we all we dressed up back in those days. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, remember? <laughs> suit, tie, the whole thing. And I'm sitting there in my little shared office, I, I don't, I mean, my share, most people probably know what that means, that everybody had gone home but me, and, and I'm working, working until 3.30 in the morning, and I just have to get this deliverable done, I'm the only one who can do it, and I just can't keep my eyes open, I can't keep my eyes open, and I have to be at Citibank first thing in the morning, and I, this was before cell phones, I don't have an alarm clock. I don't have an alarm clock, just a clock on the wall, and I have got to lay down for 30 minutes. I just oh, no. have to. I lay down on the floor of my office with my suit and tie on, and I look at the clock. It's 3:30. I can I can I can only lay there till 4:30, not even quite that long, and I can't fall asleep. But I've got to I've got to be able to get up, finish this work, and take it to City Corp. And I remember just laying there, Jennifer looking at the clock on the wall and thinking, you know, this is kind of hard. This is kind of hard. And here's what's going to happen. Years from now, people are going to look at me and say, Ron, you know, you have been really lucky, really lucky, because I'm going to build, a, I'm going to build an important company, a large, important company. They're going to say, Ron, you've been really lucky. And I'm going to look at them and smile and say, you're exactly right. I've been really lucky, but I'm never going to forget this moment. Yeah. Wow, that's the picture. That's one of those. That was it. The company swung in the balance right there, laying wow. on the floor of my office. Well, congratulations. So, so I was really lucky, Jennifer, and we got it done. <laughs> I was really lucky. 
Oh man, that was a fantastic story. You mentioned um, all the innovation that your company does. You even mentioned artificial intelligence. Uh, innovation is is the thing now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you are at the heart of it. So how do you inspire innovation in a company? Uh, you're swimming in it, but some of the companies listening today are not swimming in it, but they want it. They need innovation within their, their teams and their culture. What advice would you give them? Well, the, the first and maybe one of the most important things we do is hire smart people, smart people. And what I found, Jennifer, is that smart people like to learn. Smart people like to learn. They go hand in hand. If you're, if you, and, and so we hire smart people who like to learn. And our business is positioned on the forefront of technology. So that's just that's just where we are. And so our smart people want to keep learning. What's next? What's newest? What's best? What's most innovative? And so there's a big part of it. Another thing that's helped us. It wasn't this way on day one, but it's definitely the the case today. I have 75 Fortune 500 customers. 75 of the biggest most successful companies in the world that I work with every day. And so we, we, we pay a lot of attention to what's going on in those companies, what's working, what's not working. And then here comes a really important key, collaboration. Collaboration put a lot of mechanisms in place to allow our people to compare notes. Well, what's going on at Southwest Airlines and how does that relate to what's going on at Home Depot stores? And how does that relate to what's going on at McDonald's restaurants and, and on and on? So we can compare notes, we can collaborate and uh, learn from our customers. And, and then, you know, some of the typical things, we go to lots of conferences and do things like that. But it's just, um, you know, a lot of it is smart people. And, and, and here's, here, here's something, you know, we do a lot of conferences. I, I speak at a lot of conferences and I'll often share this idea called Joy's Law, Joy's Law. Uh, one, of, one of my clients, the CIO of MasterCard, shared this with me years ago, and, I, and I, I've always remembered it. And Bill Joy was the co-founder of Sun Microsystems. And he said, he said years ago, he said, no matter who you are, most of the smartest people work for somebody else. And that is no one company has most of the smartest people in the world. So collaboration, not only within the walls of your business, but beyond but beyond. And so we do panel discussions. We bring, we bring leaders together. Uh, and that's, those are some of the things that we do. So you do external collaboration and involve your team members in it as the key yes. formula for that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, very much. Very much. Um, one of the things that the data is telling us, um, uh, CEOs and C-suite think that they're communicating effectively, either on strategy or messaging or direction, vision of the company. And when we survey the employees um, of these companies, the employees are saying that they're not doing a great job in communicating. So one of the recommendations that we have is CEOs and C-suite leaders need to do a more effective way to communicate, almost like marketing. You have to tell them, tell them again, tell them in this format, tell them in that format. Um, how do you ensure that culture, vision, values are communicated in an effective way for your employees to receive them directly from you? Great question. One of the big things that I, I did, I started this at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I realized that it's something I should have always been doing. 
I send, I send a message to all my teammates, all 2,500 teammates out every Sunday night, just directly from me to them. Tell them what, how I'm, what I think is important, what I'm working on, how much I appreciate them. I reinforce values. I, you know, I, I share quotes that, that, that I think are meaningful, that reinforce some of the, the things that, that are important at Darty. And I do that. And, you know, here's, this is interesting. I, I also do some podcasts. I do some just internal podcasts to, 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 to just to stay out there. And, and, and something else that, that I've been doing, I've, I started to travel again more. I real, video calls are great, but you just have to get out there and be with people. And, and I'll tell you what, because of the travel, because of some things that I'm doing to diversify the communication, then after three years of never missing a, uh, a Sunday update, I started, decided to go back to a little bit less frequency. It's been a couple of weeks and I miss it. I miss it. It's not just them hearing from me. It's me feeling connected to them. I found Jennifer when I go, I go visit Minneapolis, Chicago, Atlanta. Uh, then I go to go to an all hands meeting. Today, my teammates come up and talk to me and they're more comfortable with me even than when we were a much smaller company because they feel like they know me. They listen to my podcast. They listen to me. They read my messages every week and uh, they, they have a sense of who I am. And, and I, try, I try to put myself out there. We have a darty band. It's called Not For A Billion. And the, the, the name comes from the fact that I would not sell darty for a billion dollars cash because I don't do it for the money. So it's called Not For A Billion. And, it, and everybody in the company knows that. And it was a name the band contest that, that where we came up with that name. And because, because, because I've told that story before. And, yeah. and so... We play in the United Way Battle of the Corporate Bands. We do fundraisers. I get up, I play the harmonica and sing with the band. And just, just getting out there and showing everybody, well, here, here's who I am, here's what I care about. And right at the top of my list of the things I care about is you, because I wouldn't be here without you. Yeah, we're, it builds we're trust. Together. It yeah. builds trust and transparency. You're, you're not a big... Uh, name on the side of the building that wants money, money, money. You, your life's mission, as you put it, is for the people of your company. So, yeah. congratulations so, on figuring that out. Oh, now, is your team hybrid? Are you doing that? Are you in? Per are you hybrid or in person? Your team. Yeah. For in for office meetings or work every day at work. You mean every day work. Every day work. Yeah. How are you managing? Yeah hybrid and in-person and all of that. Yeah, hybrid for sure, for sure. So what we do is we make sure we have office space available. We, we make sure that it's easy for our teammates to get together in person when it's helpful to be together in person. And there are definitely times when it is, but we don't force anyone to come into the office anymore. So we, we, we put a lot of, leave, we've left a lot of flexibility in the, uh, in, in the equation and uh, we'll, you know, we'll just continue to evolve with that as the pandemic continues to fade. But a hybrid approach works really well for us. A little more flexibility uh, and just work from where it's best for you to work from. That's great. That's great. So pretend you have a crystal ball. Uh, you're in a tech industry. You know a lot. You're talking to some big companies. You're collaborating. Uh, what do you forecast if you had your crystal ball the next six months? What does it look like? What it, what's leading indicators are, are you seeing out there? 
leading indicators in terms of the technology trends yeah uh, yeah so artificial AI. intelligence uh, artificial intelligence is going to continue to boom it's going to continue to boom and and it you know it it it's a combination of a number of things computing power continues to increase so we can do things that we weren't able to do years ago because of the computing power that's available. Advanced analytics is a subcomponent of, of artificial intelligence. It's all, all that, machine learning. And so that's just gonna continue to boom. Data, advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive computing, that whole, that, that whole area. And uh, you know, continuing to digitally engage with our customers and to do that more and more effect effectively to improve the experience, whether it's the patient experience in healthcare or the customer experience in retail or whatever, whatever the case might be. And, and so those are trends that are definitely going to continue. And um, it's just we're in, a, we're in an interesting economic climate right now. Things are really pretty good, but there's a certain amount of uncertainty in the air. It's causing some decisions to be delayed or to be uh, handled in a conservative manner. And so we just have to be out there connecting with our customers, staying in touch with our teammates. And uh, that's another part of the next six months. I believe that things are gonna, gonna, gonna stabilize and confidence will continue to build and uh, momentum will continue to increase in technology. It's a little bit up and down right now, but, but the future looks good. And I'll tell you what, automation, advanced technology uh, in every industry is critically important. I mean, we just, you know, you think about industries like farming, agriculture. Uh, wow, what role does technology play there? But there are some preci precision agriculture initiatives that we're involved with, helping farmers understand how to produce a better yield. Another yeah. thing that's happening more and more, and this is a really important trend, and, and I don't think it's that evident to everyone yet. And that is outcome-based thinking when it comes to technology. It's not technology for technology's sake. It's not just the newest, most innovative thing. What's the business result that it's producing and how do you measure that business result? And so that's something that's gonna become a bigger and bigger thing. We can, you know, we can see that and and even at the level of things like outcome-based pricing. Don't pay me a hundred dollars for a bag of corn, pay me on how much yield is produced with this bag of corn above what you would get with somebody else's, yeah. things like that. that. That changes the world. What you are talking about and everything you've said in the last two minutes is world changing. Uh, and you're right at the epicenter of it. So congratulations. And it makes me feel better that people like you are involved. <laughs> Cause this, it could it could take off in a bad direction. And it's, it's wonderful to know that Darby Business well, Solutions is involved to keep things straight and narrow. So thank you for that. Well, that's um, so kind of you, Jennifer. It's so kind of you. And I really appreciate that. And you know, I'm just I'm having so much fun with it. So much fun. And I'm just I'm driven more than I have ever been driven. We finished the year last year at 350 million in revenue. I believe I can take our company to a billion while I'm still running it. Well, I can still another high five for you. Yeah. And, and the reason the reason that's so critically important to me is because I feel like I've been given a gift. My wonderful teammates, this company, I've never had an outside investor, I own the business, and I've decided I am not gonna take it public, I'm not gonna sell it to an outside firm, I'm going to transition to employee ownership. So transitioning to employee ownership 
employee-owned, employee-led organization with leaders that have the same values that brought us to where we are, the same values that I have, that are committed to continuing to be as significant as possible, not only successful. So when we get bigger, we can make yes. a greater difference. That's incredible. What an amazing legacy that is. Let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about you as a human. Um, Ron, just just plain Ron, no, no company, nothing. Um, tell us about, let me tell everyone what hobbies you have. Fencing, chess, boxing, harmonica, ballroom dancing. We all just heard what you did, what you've done to grow your business and the sacrifices you've made. Who the heck are you doing all of this? Well, you know, that's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> a, a part of it is that, you know, I, I built this company. I didn't have many hobbies at all. And somewhere along the line, I decided that unless you have a bit of balance and well-roundedness, you're just, you're, you know, you're going to burn yourself. It's going to burn yourself out. You just, you're not going to be your best, even if you can force yourself to do it. So started to bring in hobbies. And in order to do those hobbies, I try to find ways to uh, involve the business in my hobbies. And so I mentioned the, United Way Battle of the Corporate Bands that we do with the Darty Band. Fine. Ballroom dancing. Ballroom dancing has become a big hobby of mine. And a lot of it started when a few years ago, I was asked to compete in the Dancing with the St. Louis Stars competition. <laughs> and it was as a fundraiser for a wonderful organization called the Independent Center that helps people with uh, suffering from mental illness and depression. And and it's just such it's just such a wonderful organization, and and their 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 battle the their dancing with the St. Louis Stars competition is so clever because they bring in executives, pair them with a professional dance instructor, and they somehow tap into the money and the ego, <laughs> <laughs> and they raise a lot of money. They raise a lot of money. I'm so sure Fantastic. I, I loved it. And so listen to this, Jennifer. Here's what I started doing about once a quarter. I have community leader slash dance lesson parties. So I bring in just this last one. I had I was I was just fortunate enough to have Penny Pennington, who's the CEO of Edward Jones, Jackie Applegate, who runs basically what used to be Monsanto, Bear Crop Science in North America, and, and other major executives, senior executives came in and 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 I find that senior executives tend to know each other in the same industry, but not so much across industries. Healthcare execs don't know retail execs, don't know manufacturing execs, and so on. So there's just and everyone, as you said earlier, if you're a good CEO, you care about making a positive difference, and you're out in the community. So everybody is, and there's more synergy there than everyone realizes. So we do we do the community leader thing, then we bring everyone together, these powerful executives. And we do an introduction to swing dance, East Coast swing, and with a professional dance instructor. And they're all terrified. They're terrified. <laughs> they're good, they're, and, and, and yet it's, it's easy and it's fun and everybody bonds during the experience. But it's interesting to see how these senior execs put on a dance floor with, with a dance instructor in front of their peers, uh, how, how intimidating that can be. So, but it all works out wonderfully. That's great. That's great. Um, what, what is some of the best life advice that you have gotten 
whether it was a speaker or a book you read or someone that mentored you, what's the best life advice you've ever received? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, the best best life advice, best life advice. You, you know, I I think some of it some of it comes from my dad. My dad was a high school superintendent. You know, and and I, I just I noticed that what he had to do is he had to work with the school teachers and the bus drivers and the cooks and the school board and just members of the community. And they just mostly were not on a path to all get along with each other and agree. And I just I just found that I just saw with my own eyes as I was growing up that the ability to share a common vision and to help everyone see that we're really after the same thing. We want to educate these kids so they can be successful in their lives, not not fight over, you know, pecking order or 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 petty things that just, you know, without it really ever being articulated that way. I think that stuck with me in a major way. It's something I really believe in. If you can share a vision, if you can create a common sense of purpose, then all the small petty differences start to fall by the wayside. Beautifully said, beautifully said. All right, what time do you wake up and what's the first thing you do to start your day? <laughs> Great question. You know, I, I know <clears throat> many, many of my peers, many, many CEOs, they, they, you know, they, they, they get up at 5 a.m. every day and, you know, they put in a half a day's work before the sun comes up. And I have to drag my, it's hard for me every morning to drag my lazy butt out of bed. It just, it just is. So, so, you know, I may not get up till, you know, 7.30 or 8 or something like that. If I can get yeah, away yeah. with it. There's nothing with. wrong. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with being a night owl, but how do you, how do you start your day? Yeah, so I just start with emails and messages. They're always waiting for me. It's just always there. Try to try to get my my arms around what's the, the schedule today. Has it changed while I've been asleep? And half the time it has. And and so what's the schedule for today? What are the messages that that I I need to to, to read and re reply to? Just get caught up on that while while I'm while I'm waking up. And then I will tell you, Jennifer, one of the things that I often do. I'm still working from home a fair amount of the time, a fair amount of the time, work from home, going into the office more and more now, and, and, and I'm getting out there and traveling to the other offices more and more. But when I'm at home, I'll often have a dance lesson first thing in the morning. I'll do a dance lesson, and then I'll walk across the hall to my office, where I am right now, and, and really kick off the business day. So yes. I do, that just sort of, sort of gets, me, gets me going in the morning, a little bit of activity, involving the, the the brain and the body and then we're often off and run so earlier you mentioned that there's 200 um students that you are mentoring and getting involved in the technology industry to promote diversity given everything you achieved let's say one of them wants to be a future leader and or start their own business just like you did let's end the interview with this what advice would you give one of those 200 students on how to be a leader what a great question what a great question you, you know there, there may be two categories of things that i think of if you want if you want to if you want to start a company here's something that's going to be really controversial jennifer 
and, and that is take as little outside money as you possibly can. There's this feeling of, okay, I'm gonna do all this with somebody else's money and I'm gonna get really rich. And no, just, just put a little more of yourself into it and earn your way and then own it when you're done. Own it when you're done. And, and think, think a little more in terms of what are you building? What are you building? Are you building something that you're gonna be proud of when it's done? Think along those lines. That would be part of the advice. Another thing I would say, and this is something that really has, is, is I've only learned it recently. Recently, it's crystallized for me. And then these are two things. As you, as you become a leader, continue to keep it personal and make it fun. Make it personal and make it fun. If you can do those things, then you, you're, you're going to be able to do it for a much longer period of time and, and, and it'll be more of a pleasure for everybody. Excellently said and excellent wisdom. Uh, everybody, we have Ron Darty with Darty Business Solutions. Thank you for your time and Ron, congratulations on your success and keep shining bright. Thank you so much, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Jennifer. Thank you very much.